This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Now, here's Patrick McEnroe. All right, time for another edition of Holding Court, everyone. Patrick McEnroe here, and uh, very excited to have this next guest on with me. I I tracked her down uh, via social media a couple weeks ago. Uh, It's Coach Terry Saunders, who's the head coach now at the Hendrickson High School. Now, now, Coach, let me know if I'm getting the name right in your town. I'm presuming the P is is silent, so it's Pflugerville? That's correct, Pflugerville. Pflugerville, Texas, which is fairly close to Austin, right? That's correct. Right outside of Austin. Right really outside. Really nice German town, too. Right, very nice town. So this is... Um, I mean, I think it's kind of interesting the way I tracked you down because, uh, you know, periodically I'll check my Twitter feed and I'll see if, you know, someone liked whatever I did or maybe someone followed me. And I can't remember, Terry, if you followed me or you liked something. Do you remember? It was a couple of weeks ago. I did both, probably. <laughs> you did both. And and I remember I saw this, I, I you know, because you sort of go through it sometimes and... Sometimes if it's during the U.S. Open or Wimbledon, you know, a lot of people respond to my comments, so I don't, I don't see it as much. But at this time, it happened to be, you know, a little bit of a quiet time, so there's only like three or four people that, you know, come up on the timeline. So I, I saw this unbelievably happy, smiling face, and I just clicked on your picture, Coach Terry, and then I see your, your pinned tweet is the announcement of you getting the head coaching job at the high school and on top of the tweet, it, it, it was a picture of you with the announcement, and it said, God's plan. Could you please explain? Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead and explain. So um, I first kind of want to start off with uh, my upbringing in tennis, if I could, if I could go that far back. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's what this podcast is all about, by the way. Okay, great. So my upbringing in tennis, um, my dad, he was a professional tennis coach, John Wilkerson, and he coached two, um, you know, African-Americans in the top 10, Gina Garrison and Lori McNeil. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've always, you know, how you are as a daddy's girl, you know, you want to look up to your dad and, you know, kind of follow in those footsteps. And, um, you know, I just felt like this was God's plan. He still kept me into um, you know, in somehow the tennis realm. Mm-hmm. Um, after I played tennis at UTL Paso for a couple of years, I took some time off of tennis and I really wasn't sure if I was just burned out mm-hmm. or, you know, how I was going to get back in. And I eventually um, started um, coaching at Prairie View A&M University. I was on the coaching staff there and we won the conference championship uh, for SWAC. And then I ended up starting coaching high school tennis. And this was my, this is my first head coaching job, um, coaching tennis. So I just felt like, you know, with um, how my beginnings were, especially with my dad and my mom, um, you know, helping me be rooted, um, you know, with my faith, I just felt like everything has a purpose. And I feel like I'm walking in my purpose right now. Well, I got to tell you, um, Coach, that um – I obviously know who your dad is. John Wilkerson is in the all-time tennis people involved in tennis. But I also need to t- I need to come clean with you, Terry. Okay. okay. I had no idea he was your dad. Okay. Now, of course, 
of course, when I, you know, your last name is now Saunders. His name is John Wilkerson. Okay, so I don't know if that's yeah. your married name or whatever, but but the point that's is that's your married name. Okay, so I, of course, as I do with all of my guests, um, I do a little bit of homework, right, before I have them on. So I started doing a little bit of homework on you and finding out about, you know, it, what I could about your history. And then I say, oh, my gosh, her dad is John Wilkerson? So it's, it, you know, but that had nothing to do with me initially asking you to be on the podcast. I, because it was, it was what you said in your tweet. And then I went through, you know, some of your Twitter uh, scroll. I don't do a lot of the other stuff like Facebook and Instagram, my wife and my kids. I have three daughters. They're telling me, oh, dad, you're so out of, you're so out of touch, which uh, I'm sure they're right. But, um, so, but your dad is a legend. Period. End of story. He's a legend, and um, I want to hear more about growing up with him as your dad, and also one of the all-time tennis. Because now I now I understand why you got into tennis. But please tell me a little bit about more what that was like as a kid growing up. Well, growing up um, with him being my dad, he you know was extremely um, you know focused on tennis. He loved what he did. I I mean I was blessed to see him. Not just, he didn't just love it because he wanted to win. He wanted to see the kids that he coached win. But he was more involved because he just loved to see kids excel and then just be good people. And so, um, you know, he spent most of his day on the court. Uh, my parents were divorced at a young age, mm-hmm. but I still go over there, you know, in the summers and then, you know, Christmas or, you know, his time um, visiting during my you know, big tournaments, I would see him, you know, come on by. And so he, whenever I was, you know, um, with him, he would be on the board from probably five, you know, training from 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And we would not get off that board until like 9.30, 9 o'clock at night. Um, and it wasn't a, a store. He loved just being out there. And he was... Um, just very loving. Anybody he talked to, um, they would just fall in love with him after maybe five minutes. He can talk to any kind of kid. Didn't matter if they were, you know, labeled a bad kid. Um, he would always somehow kind of turn them around for the best. So, um, I, I mean, I was just blessed to have. You know, everybody thinks their dad is the best dad ever, but he truly. Um, in my eyes, in my opinion, he's the best person in the whole wide world, including my mom. My mom, you know, of course, she drove me to all the tournaments and spent so much time and money and effort as well, just as my dad did. Um, but speaking of my dad, he's, you know, just like you said, he is a legend. And he's still coaching. He's in his 80s and he's, mm. you know, they, he's still out there and he's on the tennis court, you know, helping kids out at McGregor Park where he started. Amazing, and this is and and Zena still involved there, and Dina Garrison in in the in the tennis program there, isn't she? One of the greats that that he coached, and Laurie McNeil, who uh, for a number of years actually worked with me when I was working with the USTA. She's a class act, uh, great great singles and doubles player. Both of them were there, and they were both classy individuals, and that's what I always remember, um, Terry, about your dad that he was he was a strong presence. But, but very gentle in a way. And I think that's kind of what I'm hearing coming from you as well, that that, that was kind of, he, he, I, he, I think of him as a gentle soul. Yes, he really, um, he really was. And, 
especially growing up during the time period that he grew up, mm. um, you know, he, he's gone through a lot, especially as a black tennis player and as a black tennis coach. You know, and despite all the adversity that he had to go through, um, including everything that Gina and Lori have gone through, you know, for them to um, persevere and still be a class act, um, you know, that says a, a lot about their character as well. I remember my dad and my mom always speaking of how at one point Gina, you know, was all the way top, like number four in the world, and she still did not have a sponsorship, like a clothing sponsorship. Amazing. Um, even though right. players under them, you know, of course did. And so, you know, despite all, all of that, you know, they still continue, you know, and just not just persevere, but they're, you know, they're, they're setting the, the way um, for kids behind them and continuing to do so even to this day. It says so much about them. Well, um, you know, when you look at uh, what they've done in their career and, you know, I, 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 my first reaction to what you said about your dad was, you, you know, what he went through as a, a youngster. And my first reaction would be, I, I can only imagine. I can't imagine. I mean, there's no way any a white guy like me could imagine what your dad as an African-American went through growing up being a tennis player. I mean, I know. It's, but, and so I, I can't. I would love to hear from him, too, but I want to hear from you, Coach, about what it was like for you because you're an African-American woman growing up um, in Texas. Obviously, not many African-Americans at all playing, playing tennis, at, even at your time growing up. So what was, right. that, what was that like for you? Well, it was tough. You know, I didn't really see that many you know, players that looked like me, and um, I definitely got, you know, called some things that I – didn't have at tournaments, even on the collegiate, you know, level. Um, and then I just remember my coaches just telling me, block it out, you know, don't worry about it. But, you know, I just remember me feeling like I wish they would stand up for me and just say, no, I don't have to just block it out, you know, because mm. I, I wanted to say something like, no, I, I shouldn't be talked to in this manner, you know. And, um, you know, as an African-American, you know, coach, you know, it's tough as well, but, um, you know, there's a lot a lot more progress um, today than what it was, you know, all the way back then. And I just keep, you know, hearing my dad just say, keep pushing, keep pushing. It's, it's not about me, you know, what I'm going through. It's, it's about the ones behind me so they can see, you know, if, if I'm successful, they'll know that they can be successful um, as well. And so, um, yeah, it, I remember my very first, like, Big tournament. It wasn't one of my big, big, first big tournaments. I remember um, being in the finals um, at a tournament at John Newton's. And uh, when I was in the finals, my dad saw the, the line judge. And he was like, oh, my goodness, this is the same racist line judge, you know, that was, you know, um, being a line judge when Dina and Lori were, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, in the, in the um, USDA, you know, union. Right. And so, sure enough, you know, everything was going okay. And I ended up winning the match. We shook hands, me and my opponent shook hands. I'm 12 years old. And I, you know, report the score, get the trophy. As I'm walking to my car, they call me back. And that line judge said that the um, match wasn't over. I had called the ball out and it really was dang. some something, you know, to where he said I had to come back on the court. And I was, I was, you gotta you know, be, you gotta, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, you you literally had the trophy and you're in the parking lot and they said you had to come back yeah. and 
Unbelievable. Patrick, not, not only that, the parents took pictures with me and the girl after the match. You know, we're 12, you know, you take pictures together. Of course, you always got to get the pictures of, with the trophy, whether you <laughs> run her up or, or you want it, right? Yes, and so he made us go back on that tennis court, and I was just distraught. And um, I ended up losing that set, and it fell into a third, you know, a third set. And I remember, you know, that's when you can have 10 minutes to talk to your coach and your parents. Kind of so regroup, just, right. You had to regroup. And my dad said, you know, you can't fold. He said, you're not just representing yourself right now. He's like, you're representing, you know, all the black tennis players that come that came before you and that's going to come after you. He said, you hold your head up and you just play your game. And I ended up winning. Um, you know, I don't think I dropped a game. But ever since he had that talk, it just kind of stuck with me. You know, everything that I do, whether it's on the court or off the court, you know, I'm not just going to be representing myself. I'm representing, you know, my, my culture. I'm representing you know, by people, and, um, and you know, I, I just, I'm just so thankful that I had such a good upbringing um, with a good family. Oh my goodness. I mean, uh, coach, I, I mean, I got a pit in my stomach listening to that. It's a, nobody, nobody should have to go through that obviously. And, uh, I think it must make you and your, and, you know, and, and you telling the story of, of, you know, your college coaches, telling you to basically be quiet, right? Just, you know, suck it up and, right. and deal with it. So I would think that you and, and, and your dad must be um, proud, you know, happy, whatever the word may be. You tell me of what's gone on, particularly this summer in the country with at least people speaking out a lot more. Yes, and, you know, I could not, this is such a proud moment. And I have a lot of friends, you know, um, that are, Republican, Democrat, and I have respect for everyone, um, and, and they know that. And unfortunately, the the message with you know Black Lives Matter kind of gets drowned with you know some reports of you know the organization you know you know just being negative and you know some some other things that and I'm I just want you know everyone to know you know and they should know this, but I don't know. If, I'm not sure what the reason is for them not understanding it, but we just need to all be honest with ourselves and just saying, you know, black lives do need to matter, you know, to everyone, not just the majority, but it's just, it's a matter to everyone and we should be treated the same. And if we're not, if it's clearly it's not, clearly there's some sort of, you know, systemic um, racism and, and prejudices that are happening. Um, and so we do need to speak out about it. Um, so things can get better, and um, I, I'm just thankful for those that you know, Coco, and I'm thankful for Naomi and Panda. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, you know, she's wonderful as well, and you know, everybody's still, you know, speaking out about it, and it just it warms my heart for sure. Yeah, and there's so many great role models coming back in in our world, and meaning in the tennis world from from this, but. Uh, so it is great to see them speaking out, doing it in an appropriate manner. Um, or, Absolutely. Yeah, and I think uh, to listen to your story, is ama- it actually reminded me, which is not nearly um, as brutal, but I'm going to tell you this story if you don't mind, Coach, real quick, because uh, it's, yeah. not, it's not a racist story, but it's a, it's a tennis-related story. And my brother John, okay, when he was still – a teenager before he he broke through at the at Wimbledon and made the semifinals. The year before that, 
I think he was 16 or 17. He was in the U.S. Open qualifying, okay? In the last round of qualifying, match point. And they had moved, the, the tournament was being played actually like an indoor courts because of rain. There was a local USTA official who shall remain nameless, okay, as yours shall. And uh, had a little thing apparently against my brother, not because of the color of his skin, by the way, but just, you know, maybe because he was acting up a little bit at times, right? So anyway, he had, yeah, so he had match point and there was an umpire in the chair and they said game, set, match, McEnroe. And the, his opponent questioned the call. I think he'd hit a passing shot. And my brother, of course, is at the net. And it had gone out. It was, it was clearly out. Umpire says, game, set, match, McEnroe. So the other guy starts complaining. So in the course of his complaining, this official who was, you know, far away, maybe watching from, you know, we have these indoor courts in New York from above, overrules the call. Oh my goodness. Okay, so long story short, as I said, it's not, it's to me, it's not nearly as devastating from a human standpoint as what happened to you, especially at 12 years old. Okay, but this was arguably, except for my brother's loss to Lendl in the French Open final, probably the loss that hurt because, you know, for a 16 year old to qualify in the U.S. Open, you know, in our hometown. And, 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 the, and the lesson he learned, and my dad would, would tell him and then tell me as I you know, got a little bit older, when they say game, set, match, you pick up your rackets and you're gone. And, that's, yeah. it, and so it reminded me, like, that's actually what you did. Of course, the 12 and under yeah. is a little different in, in somewhere in Texas in the U.S. Open. But, I mean, that, that, that still, that story, you don't know how long, Terry, for how many years that would come up in my household. In, in my oh family my growing up. I can only imagine. That's huge. That is huge. And same on that person and same on the, you know, I, I don't see how they could even do that at that level. You know, I, I mean, 12 is one thing, but when you're on that level, goodness. Anyway, I want to get back to you. And you mentioned something to me that, because I, I, I looked at your college career, you played at UTEP. I think you played number one or two at a time. I was going through your, you said you were there a couple of years, but then you said something that caught my attention. You, you kind of walked away for a couple of years. So tell me what that was about and what eventually brought you back to tennis. Well, you know, as well, playing at UTEP my freshman year, I will say I started off at number six. My freshman year, um, I, I had the best record on the team but I just wasn't as strong as, you know, the other players. Um, I guess mentally I felt maybe I needed to improve. By the way, I, so, start, by uh, the way, I started off number six at Stanford my freshman year. Keep going. Go ahead. Really? Yep. <laughs> yep. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I wish you'd spoken so, to me. Um, I wish you'd spoken to me, you know, 12, 13 years ago. I could have said, Terry, don't worry about it. That, everybody starts off at six unless, you know, you're whatever. Right. So, okay, so you go right. through six, you're doing well, you're winning all your, you're winning all your matches, and then what happens? I'm, I'm winning all my matches, and I just remember, um, I just remember a, a, one of those sports psychologists, mm-hmm. a coach ended up hiring a sports psychologist, and those sports psychologists, they do all these weird things if you're not really used to it. Um, his name was Dr. Jorge Valverde. Okay. And I mean, I, I took to him, like, I was the only one really that just 
took everything that he said and I just ran with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if he told me I needed to listen to these cases, I listened to him while I was in the car. I listened to him, you know, right when I was sleeping, when I woke up in the shower and I was, you know, doing all these weird things. <laughs> my, my uh, teammates were like, what is, you know, she had gone crazy with this. Um, it just really helped my men's mentality. And when I got on the court, I just knew I was going to win the match. Mm-hmm. And so sure enough, at the end of my freshman year, we were doing, you know, challenge matches. And at the end of the challenge matches, I didn't even realize I beat everybody. I was just out there just playing. Mm-hmm. And then the coach comes to me and she's like, well, you know, you beat everybody. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I'm thinking she's just going to bump me up a few spots. And she's like, I'm going to use you at one. Wow, from six to one? Well, I'm thinking she's just going to put me at one, uh-huh. like, backing or something, you know, like, sit everybody down and I'll just take the hit, you know? Right, right. Um, and, so, and so I just remember just working extremely hard because I didn't want to let my team down. Mm. And so I just worked extremely hard. And um, the same tournaments that I won the previous years, um, I won the same two tournaments, the Air Force and the U of H tournament at number one, and I still finished with the best record of the team at line one. And it, it, it was all about my, my mental uh, my mental game. And I remember my dad, you know, expressing how much more I needed to do mentally. Mm-hmm. And one thing I, I do kind of want to go back to that, when my dad was coaching, he would have, you know, the full session of, of sitting and everything else, but he would also take time to talk, just talk to the players. Mm-hmm. You know, like one on one, and he would take time just for that. And so that's what it kind of reminded me. But I guess that's why I put so much into it. Um, but shortly, um, you know, towards the end of my my sophomore year, um, it was just kind of a bad experience over there. The coach, um, she really wasn't the one that had, that that took me in. It was right when I went into my freshman year, she got hired on. Okay, so I didn't really know her or anything, and it was just. She didn't really care. It was. It, I felt like she didn't really care too much for me personally. It was just a tennis, mm-hmm. you know, it was a year more for tennis. And when I finished my sophomore year um, with the best record on the team and it was time for the MVP award and all that, um, she said it was her first year feeling like she didn't want to give anybody the MVP award, even though everybody knew it was should have been given to me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I just... I just kind of felt hurt because I was, I was working extremely hard and, you know, um, and also there were some other things that had gone previously. When I, when I ended up becoming number one on the tennis team, a lot of the players, the, the girls on the team, they didn't like that either. And so it was just kind of, um, I don't like tension. I don't like drama. So I kind of stepped back. Um, I also hurt my arm, um, you know, just overworking it, not taking time off. Oh, and not to mention, um, I ended up getting hit by a car. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Like, walking across the street, I ended up getting hit by a car. And we had um, conference camps, or we had the conference games coming up. And I remember being, um, you know, in the hospital. The ambulance took me to the hospital. And I could hear my coach asking the doctor, can she play? Um, Will she be okay to play in two days? Oh, my goodness. Right. Yes, and the doctor was telling her, he, he was like, no, um, you know, he, and he said, she's going to be in extreme you know, pain, and she said, but will it get worse, or can she play? And he said, I don't think it's going to get worse, it's just deep contusions, and he, she said, that's all I need to know. So once 
I was hearing all that mixed in with some other things that were going on. I just, you know, wanted to take a break for myself. Um, and I, I ended up coming back into the tennis realm when um, I when I got um, when I ended up finishing college at Prairie View A and M University, which was the HBCU. Mm-hmm. Um, the secretary, um, the secretary um, ended up talking to my mom on a plane ride. My mom was on the plane ride to the um, Obama administration, uh, to the Obama. Um, he, he was uh, you know becoming president, right? And uh, in operation. And she's like, she needs to come on out to Prairie View. I know she had a bad experience, but have her come on out to Prairie View. So I went on out there, and the HBCU experience um, was phenomenal. My dad said it was probably the best decision I could make, and it definitely was. And I didn't play, but I they allowed me to be on the coaching staff. So that was sort of that was sort of your your first dabble into the into the into the coaching world, right? Yes, and let me tell you why I said God's plan. Mm-hmm. The head coach at Prairie View, he was a player at Texas Southern University, and my dad um, coached over there for a little bit, and he was um, my dad's player. Mm. And so, when, so it was, it was like everything was just coming together, and for him to allow me to, you know, coach the the boys and the girls along with him, it, it was it meant everything to me, and um, I, I just. I'm, like I said, everything just happened, you know, the way it's supposed to happen. And I, after I, um, you know, coached at Prairie View, like I said, we won the SWAC conference championship. Um, and my little cousin was on the team um, at that same time. Trent, he was on the team. And it was just a really good feeling. My my dad's brother, matter of fact, he was a big-time athlete as well. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that many people know, but he got um, signed on to Green Bay. And so Gentry Hornsby, he was a phenomenal, phenomenal um, athlete at Prairie View as well. So Prairie View is, is like a, a, it's a family. All my family, you know, have been there. Our family's still there. So it was just a good, a good feeling to be, you know, back home, really. Well, now I, un- I understand what, what I understand a little deeper what God's plan means. So let me ask you about the here and the now, because you're, you're a mom, you're a history teacher, you're a wife. Um, you're the coach of the tennis team, and I know you're right in the middle of your season right now, right? Don't you have the districts coming up? Yes, well, we just got done with districts, yeah. and my team did phenomenal. Now, Hendrickson, um, you know, usually when you hear of Hendrickson High School, you know, they were the ones that, you know, would get beat. I don't even think they played districts. I'm not sure when they played, you know, districts, because they, they just didn't have enough players mm-hmm. to, to make the marketing. And so this year, when I got hired on, my first immediate thing, my coordinator took the year, and she's like, you know, you need to get, try to get some players on. So, you know, I was pulling anybody and everybody in the hallway. I was like, you want to play tennis? You know, come on. <laughs> right. and, and so I pulled three players on my, I put three players on my varsity that's never Play tennis, never touch the ball. Right. But we had about two months to get them ready for the district tournament, you know. And um, you know, they did phenomenal. We not only our our main goal was just to make it to playoffs, which is what we did. But we went nine ten with a team that was competing for first place um, in district. So we lost by one match. It was um, a, it, one of my kids was in a tiebreaker, and a couple of points we were up. I think he was up like seven, five, and, you know, it, it just didn't turn out his way. But just for us, you know, getting into the playoffs, 
means everything. And I can't even take all the credit, Patrick. Um, like I said, my administration at the school, mm-hmm. they are phenomenal. From the principal, from the AD, from, you know, our coordinator, from the parents, everybody, and especially the team, they, they have been putting in work. And at first, like, you know, it was tough because, um, you know, the previous years, they only had to practice two days out the week after school. Mm-hmm. And then here comes me, the crazy coach, making them practice. Every day, <laughs> every day school, right? You know, you'll so. have you'll have them up at five thirty in the morning before long, right? <laughs> Absolutely, they're getting ready for that. <laughs> Unbelievable! This and is so, that's great. Yeah, but for them to just take it in and for them to be, you know, to go ahead and trust me, you know, with all the different, you know, um, ways of coaching that I've been doing compared to what they were used to, I'm I'm really, you know, grateful for that. Well, Coach Terry Saunders, this has been um, absolutely riveting stuff. And, you know, I tell my guests I'm going to keep them only 20 to 25 minutes, you know, because I found out that, you know, people like to listen for that. But, of course, you've already gone, we've already gone for 30 minutes, and it's been like nothing, okay? And I'm on with Martina Navratilova, Yvonne Lendl, you know, Chris Everett. I mean, it's like, here we go, in and out. But now you, it's just uh, amazing, your story. And, um Please keep preaching the gospel of what you do. And I know it's a lot more than just hitting that tennis ball, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's so much more than hitting that tennis ball. And if I could just say one more thing, I know we've gone over it. But, you know, um, tennis is a lot different than any other sport. It really tells you a lot about yourself. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and you're the only one out there. You're under all this pressure. And you can't substitute nobody in and out. Like, you have to be able to make it all the way through. And, and it tells you if you can handle that pressure. And if you can handle the pressure, you know, with all those people watching you playing that third set tiebreaker, you can, you know, be, know that you can gain that confidence to handle anything um, that's giving you pressure or adversity in the real world. And so um, I'm grateful for tennis. I hope more people join in with high school tennis. Um, you know, it, it, it's really great to to just see um, the kids, you know, cross So it, it's good. It's really good. Well, um, I'm going rec- to, thankfully I'm recording this and I'm going to record those, those words of inspiration because, you know, not only am I a, a, a tennis person my whole life, but I'm also, I've also become a tennis parent too. So going through yeah. a little bit um, with my own daughter, what you, you went through with your dad, and uh, I've learned a lot listening to you, and it's, it's hard. You know, someone asked me the other day, I was watching her in a, in a couple matches, say, is, th- is this harder than playing? I said, oh, my goodness, it doesn't even compare because you see the anguish that your child is going through, right, trying to play well and do well. And so your words of telling, of reminding me that um, whatever level you become, right, as a player – that you learn about so many things about yourself and about life. Yes. Yes, it's all correlated together. And, um, man, I am so thankful. When you asked me to be on this podcast, Patrick, after seeing all these huge names, like top whatever in the world, I'm like, he's asking little old me? I'm so thankful. You know, like great fun. I was just in awe. And, um, and, so and, 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 and,
Please, please keep doing what you're doing. Stay in touch and pretty please you say hello to that dad of yours because that's inspirational what he's been able to do and you are the example of that. Thank you, Patrick. I sure will. I definitely will. Thank you again. I I mean, that's from the bottom of my heart. And good luck in the rest of the season, okay? Kick some butt. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. God bless your family, too. Thank you. You too. Coach Terry Saunders from the great state of Texas here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media. Thank you.